Hi, this is Christopher Framberg and I'm one of the pastors in SOS Church Stockholm. We are an international Pentecostal church on Kungsholmen with celebrations in both English and Swedish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations that are living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. Well, hello, SOS family. It is such an honor for me to have the opportunity to be with you. Now, let me just say, I would really love to be with you in person because it's true. When I say SOS family, man, you guys are like family to Destiny and me. But if I can't be with you in person, then I'll settle for being with you virtually today. Man, I just want to let you know how grateful I am for your leaders, Johannes and Maria. They are some of our closest friends, and I am so grateful that God has allowed us to be in relationship together. I can tell you I am a better person today because of their influence in my life, and you guys are so incredibly blessed, and I'm so proud of, of, of Coffee and taking the leadership there of that campus in Stockholm, and man, I just believe that the best is yet to come for you guys, and, and I'm so thrilled uh, to be with you, and we're going to go into the book of Philippians today. Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to go in a moment, and we're going to be talking about this concept, morning joy, morning joy. How do you have joy every morning? How do you have joy in every season of life? And do you know that the book of Philippians is actually called the letter of joy? Now, the content of what we read in the book is powerful, but it's even more powerful when we put it in context of where it was written. You see, the Apostle Paul, a leader in the early church, was writing this letter from jail. That's right. The letter of joy was written in a jail cell. And he was writing to a group of Christ followers, a group of believers in this town called Philippi. And in this letter that has 104 verses, he mentions joy or rejoice 16 times. That's one out of every six verses in this letter were about joy. And kind of the, the capstone, the keystone, the cornerstone verse of Philippians for this concept of joy is found in Philippians 4 verse 4. And this is what Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Come on, say it with me right now. Say always. If you're watching on Facebook, put it in the chat right now. Always rejoice in the Lord, not on good days, not when you feel like it, not when everything is going your way. He says rejoice in the Lord always. And then just in case you missed it, he repeats himself and says, I will say it again, rejoice. The, the big thought today uh, in our time together is this that it is possible to rejoice always. It is possible to rejoice always. Now, I believe the Bible wouldn't say it if we couldn't do it. Now, you might not be good at it. You might not know how to do it. 
You might not feel like doing it, but you have to believe that it is possible. And if we believe that it's possible, then there's a continuation of that big thought. And we would say the continuation is this, that if it's possible to rejoice always, then to rejoice is my choice. To rejoice is my choice. Come on, why don't you put that in the chat right now? Come on, just type it in there. Come on, tell the person that's sitting next to you, say, to rejoice is my choice. You see, Paul is showing us that joy is possible even in prison. Joy is a matter of my perspective. It is not a matter of my position. You see, I can't rejoice always if my circumstances are in charge. I want you to think about this for a moment. I cannot rejoice always if the circumstances in my life are in charge of my life. No, your situation does not determine your level of joy. You do. You determine the level of joy in your life. And it brings us to this concept of reactive versus proactive. Reactive to trouble or proactive with truth. Which, which camp are you going to sit in? Are you going to be reactive to trouble? Are you going to be proactive with the truth? I, I want you to hear this. I want you to write this down. I want you to type this in your phone. It doesn't matter as much where you wake up as what you wake up to. Let me say it again. It doesn't matter as much where you wake up as what you wake up to. Let me explain that to you. In, in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story of a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha had an assistant. And one morning, that assistant woke up early. And man, I don't know if he was just taking his morning gratitude walk. I don't know if he was going down to the local coffee shop to get the prophet a coffee and a bagel. I don't know what he was doing, but he was outside before the prophet. And he looked up and to his surprise, he saw the enemy of Israel, the army of Aram had, had surrounded the town where Elisha was. And man, this assistant, he freaks out. He runs back home. He wakes up Elisha and he says, Elisha, you've got to come look. You've got to come look. And he was terrified and, and he was saying, man, it's over for us. This, this, is, this has come to an end. And Elisha walks out and he looks at the same thing that his assistant was looking at. It's the same army, the same soldiers, the same the same spears and the same swords, the same chariots. He's looking at the exact same thing. And he tells his assistant, don't worry, because there is more fighting for us than there is fighting for them. Come on, don't you know in that moment, the assistant was like the old prophet has fallen off his rocker. He has missed it. Come on, why can't you see there's 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. There's one and two. There's only two of us. There's not more of us than there is of them. And then the prophet prays and he says, God, 
open up his eyes so that he can see. And in one moment, he goes from there's no way we can win this fight to the next moment saying there's no way they can win this fight. Why? Because he saw the armies of the living God. You see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you wake up. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter your circumstance. It matters what you wake up to. You see, the, the, the assistant, he was reactive to trouble. And he thought, oh no, I don't know what we're going to do. But the prophet, he woke up proactive with truth, knowing that God is with me, knowing that God is for me, knowing that God is going to fight my battles, knowing that God is always going to be with me. So we have to ask ourselves, what camp are we in? Are we reactive with the trouble or are we proactive with the truth? Now, before we go any further, let me just define the word joy for you. The word joy, it means the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Here's the second definition. A source or cause of keen pleasure or delight. You see, because we have a source of delight, we have a reason for the emotion of great delight. Because we have a source of delight. Let me tell you, we have a source that never changes. We have a source that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because we have this source, we can have an emotion. We can have the feeling of great delight because we have a source of great delight. So, if it's possible to rejoice always, and I realize that to rejoice is my choice, let's take a look into the book of Philippians to, to gather some, some handles, some practical tools that will help us live this out in our lives. Let's look at four action steps for rejoicing always. We might even go as far to say this is a blueprint. This is the blueprint for joy, the blueprint for mourning joy, the blueprint for rejoicing always. Uh, here's the first action step, and that is exalt. Exalt. Now, when we say the word exalt, what we're talking about is to praise or to elevate, to praise or to elevate. Now, whenever we start in the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians begins with so much gratitude. I really believe that gratitude is the gateway for joy. Gratitude is the gateway for, for joy. And here Paul is in prison, but yet he is finding something to be thankful for. Let's look what he says in verse 3 in chapter 1. He says to the people of Philippi, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Paul is giving thanks and praise to God for all that he has done. He says, every time I think of you, I'm giving glory to God. Every time I think about what God has done in your life, I am praising God. Every time I think about what God intends to do in your life and through your life, I am worshiping the creator. You see, Paul's heart was so full of gratitude. And we see that Paul is exalting God but he's not just exalting God. Look at this. He's also exalting people. He is elevating people. He's elevating people. In the very next verse, it says this. Whenever I pray, 
I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners. You have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Can you imagine what the people at Philippi felt whenever they read that? Come on, don't you know that they put their shoulders back? They stuck that chest out. Can you believe, do you believe what the apostle Paul just said? We are his partners in preaching the gospel. We are his partners. What was Paul doing? Paul was exalting and giving thanks to God, and he was also elevating people. Paul was thankful for God's goodness, and he was thankful for the church's faithfulness. And because of his gratitude for both, he lifts them both up. He gives praise and glory to God, and then he elevates the people by letting them know how he feels about them, how grateful he is for them in his life. Paul is not reactive to his feelings, but he's proactive with his faith. He's proactive with his praise. He's proactive with his encouragement. He is proactive. He is not reactive. He's proactive. And so we see this first step in the blueprint of joy is exalt. And exalting always begins with gratitude. But here's the second thing that we see in the blueprint is expect. We must exalt, but then we also must expect. I don't have to tell you how important and powerful expectations are. There's been a number of scientific studies that have been done to prove how uh, the link between expectations and performance. And these studies have been done on animals, kids, grown-ups. And what we find out is that expectations always matter. You know, something that I, I say a lot, and that is that you find whatever it is that you're looking for. You find whatever it is that you're looking for. Why? Because I'm expecting to find whatever it is that I'm looking for. Whatever it is that you're looking for, you're going to find it. Why? Because that's what you are expecting to find. And here in verse 6 in chapter 1, Paul says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Come on, don't you love that? Don't you love that Paul says, I am certain, I am convinced that the God who began this good work, he is going to finish what he started. Even when I don't feel like I'm moving forward, even when I can't see my progress, I am still convinced that God is pushing me and propelling me into everything that he created me to be. I am convinced that God who started the work in me is going to finish this work. Let me just say it to you right now. If you are not dead, then God is not done. If you aren't dead, God is not done. You see, sometimes we, we can be certain of the wrong things. I'm convinced that things will never change. I, I'm convinced that, uh, that I won't ever change. I, I'm convinced that God is mad at me. I'm convinced that God could never use any, anybody like me. We get convinced of the wrong things. And whenever we expect the wrong things, we don't find the right things. 
Well, let me just say it to you one more time. Whenever we expect the wrong things, we don't find the right things. It's like joy. Joy is hard to find whenever you're looking for a letdown. Joy is hard to find whenever you are looking for a letdown. Instead, whenever I am convinced that God is working in me, whenever I am convinced that I will see his plan come to pass, when I am convinced that I will see his purpose fulfilled in my life, when I am expecting to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, when I'm expecting to see breakthrough, I'm expecting to see healing, I'm expecting to see his blessing, I'm expecting to see his favor, I am expecting to see God move in my life when I'm expecting Expecting to see it. Come on, I know that I will see it. Why? Because I'm convinced. I am convinced. And that's what Paul said. Paul said, I am convinced. We know that there must be expectation, which takes us to the third part of the blueprint. We know we got to exalt. We know we got to expect. And the third thing is this we got to expand. We must expand. I want you to write this down for me right now. Expansion, excuse me, expectation without expansion produces frustration. Come on, you got you got to get this, you got to see this. Expectation without expansion produces frustration. You see, if I believe that it is possible to rejoice always and I declare that I will be that type of person that rejoices always, but I don't grow and develop to produce joy in my life, I will live frustrated. I'll live frustrated. Let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say about this idea of expanding. In verse 9, chapter 1, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing. Ha, come on, keep on Growing, come on, just come on, tell your neighbor right now, type that in the chat right now. Keep on growing, that you don't stop, you haven't arrived, you're not there yet. No, he says, I pray that you would keep on growing, that you would keep on growing in your knowledge, that you would keep on growing in your understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Keep on Growing. Come on, that's what the Apostle Paul said. Now, let me tell you something about growing. Let me tell you something about expanding. That's hard work. It's hard work and it never stops. It takes time, commitment, effort, energy, and persistence in order to grow and expand in your life. Now, let me, let me give you two truths about tough seasons. We all go through tough seasons at, at times. And I think right now, globally, we are in a tough season with this 
coronavirus, COVID-19, but we also go through our own personal tough seasons, family tough seasons, financial tough seasons, uh, tough seasons in the workplace. We go through tough seasons. There's two truths about tough seasons of life. Number one is that the tough seasons reveal something in you. They reveal something in you because the tough season begins to squeeze you. And in that moment, whatever is in you is what is going to come out of you. So the the first truth is that it reveals something in you. But tough seasons do more than just reveal something in you. Tough seasons also build something in you. Yeah, they reveal something in you, but they also build something in you because you start feeling that tension. And that tension is what begins to build your strength. And that tension is what begins to build. And it makes you stronger. And it makes you tougher. And it makes you, it gives you that grit that you need to keep on pushing through in the tough seasons of life. So whenever you get into that tough season, yeah, it reveals something in you, but it's also going to build something in you if you will let it. After all, isn't that what the Bible says? The Apostle Paul, the same one who wrote the book of Philippians, the letter of joy, he also wrote the book of Romans. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 5. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. There's that word again. Did you catch it? Rejoice. We can rejoice. But did you hear what he said? Not we can rejoice when everything goes our way. We can rejoice when we win the championship. We can rejoice when we get that new job that we've always wanted. No, no, no. He says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Paul, can you tell us more about that? For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You see, you can find joy in the struggle because it is producing fruit in your life. You can find joy in the battle because it is producing fruit in your life. And that fruit is being produced by Jesus Christ. It's what the scripture says, the fruit of the spirit, Paul says in Galatians, right? It's produced by the Holy Spirit. It is produced by the spirit of God. So what do we know about that fruit? That fruit is not natural. That fruit is supernatural. Come on, when it is produced by the Holy Spirit, when it is produced by Christ Jesus on the inside of you, that fruit is not something that the world can give you. That joy is not something that you can get from your next door neighbor. It's not something that you can get just from a promotion. No, that joy has to come from a supernatural source. That joy, that supernatural joy that we are all longing for, it only comes into our life when we begin to expand and we begin to grow and we begin to develop and we begin to allow God to do a supernatural work on the inside of us that will create the supernatural joy that we are all longing for. Yes, it takes work. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes effort. Yes, it takes energy. But we need to work to produce this fruit, the Holy Spirit working in us to produce this fruit, to expand, which brings us to the very last point today. So as we look at this blueprint for morning joy, we see that, man, it's got to start with me exalting 
It's got to start with me praising God. It's got to start with that gratitude. It's got to start with me lifting up other people, letting them know how much I appreciate and value them. It, it's, it's got to take me not, not just from exalting, but then expecting. I've got to begin to expect the right things. I've got to begin to expect to see God finish this work. And then from expecting, I've got to go to expanding. I've got to grow and I've got to produce this fruit. And it takes us to the fourth thing, and that is to extract. To extract. And and we see this as uh, the first chapter of Philippians continues on. And apparently there's this group of people, and they've been preaching the gospel, but they've been preaching the gospel out of jealousy. They've been preaching the gospel out of rivalry. They've been preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition. And you can tell that Paul is responding back to the people at Philippi because he had gotten some of these complaints. He had gotten some of these concerns. And so he's responding to them about this this issue. And this is what Paul says in verse 18. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. Come on, there it is again. He says, I, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter why they're preaching. It only matters to me that they're preaching. And because they are preaching Christ, I will rejoice. And then he adds this line to it. That wasn't enough. And he says this, and I will continue to rejoice. Not only am I rejoicing right now, I have already made up my mind. I will continue to rejoice in the future. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to get bent out of shape over this situation. Instead, I've made a choice, and my choice is to rejoice. Even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of an adversity, Paul says, I am extracting joy. I am pulling joy out of the news that you gave me. It's okay. I'm extracting joy. I'm not going to pay attention to all the reasons that you told me they're preaching. I'm paying attention to one thing, and that is that they are preaching. And because the fact that they are preaching about Jesus, I'm going to extract the joy, and I'm going to keep extracting the joy. I will pull joy out of every season. I'll pull joy out of a jail cell. I'll pull joy when I'm facing obstacles and trials in my life. I will pull joy out of anything that I am facing. I will extract joy. Now, this is why it is so important. It is so important that we develop and grow because I cannot extract from my life what I have not expanded in my life. Come on, I want you to see this as we wrap up today. I can't extract from my life what I have not expanded in my life. If I have not allowed the Holy Spirit to produce joy in my life, 
in my moment of adversity when I need to pull joy out like Paul being in prison, like people throughout the scriptures dealing with the, the issues that they were having to deal with. Let, let me tell you, if we haven't expanded and developed and produced joy, allowing the Holy Spirit to do that, then I can't extract the joy I need in the moment. Come on, I want you to see it just like a, like a fruit tree. I want you to see, you can't, you can't pull a fruit off the tree that you haven't planted. You can't pull fruit off of a tree that you haven't fertilized. You can't pull the fruit off a tree that you haven't taken care of. You cannot pull the fruit. And in the moments that you need the fruit of joy, if you haven't produced that joy, you can't take it in the, in the moment when you need it most. And that's why Paul says you got to keep on growing. He said, you got to keep on growing. You got to keep on growing. You got to keep on growing in your faith. You got to keep on growing in your wisdom. You got to keep on growing in your compassion. You got to keep on growing in your understanding. You have got to keep on growing. And then he went ahead and he said, you got to always be filled. You got to always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character of Jesus Christ. That's what's got to be filling our life. Why? Why, Paul, do I need to keep on growing? Why does my life need to be full of the character of Christ? Because there will come a moment in adversity. There will come a moment when you are in a storm. There will come a moment when you need it most. And if you have not expanded, you cannot extract the joy that you need. And this is what the scripture tells us. It says that the joy of the Lord will will be our strength. And in the moment when you need strength, you need to be able to extract that joy. You need to be able to pull it off of that tree, to pull it out of your life when you need it most. And this is what we see in the letter of Philippians. Paul saying, one day you're going to be in your jail cell. Maybe not figuratively, uh, or maybe not literally, maybe just figuratively, right? You're, you're not actually sitting in a prison, but, but you, are, you, are, you, are, you are in a box. You, you, are, you are in a place of limitation. You, you are in a place of pain and heartache. You are in a place of, of lack. You, you are in a place of loss. You are in a place of disappointment. You are, you are in that place. Paul says there, there's going to be this time when you face adversity, and challenges. And in that moment, you can't allow your circumstances to determine your level of joy. You can't let your situation determine if you have the joy of the Lord or not. He says, no, this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to rejoice always because it's possible. And to rejoice is your choice. It doesn't matter what it looks like around you. All that matters is what God is doing in you. And so we have a blueprint right now. We have a blueprint to lift up our eyes and our face and our hands toward heaven. And we have, we have an opportunity to begin to exalt, to begin to lift God up. And as we begin to lift up the name of God, guess what? We can begin to expect that he is going to fulfill every single promise that he made, that we can expect him to show up in our moment of need. We begin to expect to see him move in our lives. And because we're expecting to see him move, we are growing and we are expanding 
and we are producing and we are developing on the inside. We are giving God access to everything that is within us and we're saying, God, produce the fruit in me that I am going to need one day because I'm going to have to reach up and extract it to take it off of that tree because in that moment, I am going to need it. And we see the blueprint of morning joy. This is the blueprint to rejoicing always. Exalt, expect, expand, and extract. You see, you can have morning joy because your joy is not controlled by your position in life, but by your perspective on life. Paul was writing from a jail cell so that 2,000 years later, he would know no matter where you find yourself today, if he had joy, you can have joy. If he woke up with morning joy, you can wake up with morning joy. If he found joy in his season of trial, you can find joy in your season of trial as well. Come on, I challenge you to put this blueprint into play in your life. Walk out these steps and begin to watch the Holy Spirit produce joy in your life that you can enjoy in your life. Come on, will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is filled with truth. And God, we just pray in this moment right now, God, as we just lift up our eyes and lift up our heads to you, God, we are convinced of one thing, and that is that we need you. God, we need you. God, we desperately, desperately need you. Maybe you're watching right now and you say, Philip, I, I need joy in, in my life. I need peace in my life. I need this supernatural that you're talking about. I need this in my life. And you have never opened up your heart to God. You've never really opened up your life and you say, God, I need you in my life. I want to surrender everything that I am so that I can be everything that you created me to be. Jesus, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to give me a brand new life. And you're watching right now, right now and you say, Philip, that's what I need. I need to surrender my life to God. I need God in my life in a very real and powerful way. You say, Philip, that's what I need right now. Come on, all I want you to say right now, right there where you are, come on, just say, that's me. Come on, just whisper it to God. Say, God, that's me. That's me. He's talking about me right now. God, that is me. I need you in my life. Come on, will you just pray this simple prayer with me right now? Say, dear Heavenly Father, I know that I need you. I am crying out for you right now. Please forgive me of my sins. Make me the person that you created me to be. I want to love you and live for you all the days of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior and you are my Lord. God, I need you. In Jesus' name. Hey, now, right now, while you're watching and with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, you say, Philip, I want to be a person that lives with this morning joy. I want this to be the testimony of my life that I was a person who rejoiced always. I was a person who 
lived with joy in every season. That is what I want. And you say, Philip, I want to put this blueprint into practice in my life. I want to exalt God. I want to expect God to move. I, I, I want to expand and grow and develop. And I, I want to extract the joy when I need it the most. You say, Philip, that is me. Come on, right there. Just tell God, that's me. That's me. Say, God, I want to be this kind of person. Just tell God right there where God, that is me. I want to have morning joy. God, we believe that it's possible. And God, we know that it is our choice to rejoice. And God, we choose to rejoice today in Jesus' name. Come on, put an amen on that today. Hey, once again, I just want to say what a joy and a privilege it is for me to be able to bring the Word of God to you today. And I want to encourage you. The Bible says it's possible. We believe it. So together, as the body of Christ, let's make a choice. Let's make that choice to rejoice, to be people of morning joy in every season of life. Hey, God bless you. We're praying for you. We love you. And I hope to see you very soon. You have been listening to a podcast from SOS Church Stockholm. If you want to know more about the church or have information about our Bible school and leadership academy, go online to soschurch.se. We hope to see you soon at a celebration here in Stockholm or at one of our daughter's churches in Gothenburg or Malmö. Have a wonderful week.